0: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, we got the Browns coming up. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. We've got reason for hope and
1: optimism about this game. And oh. look, the Browns are super talented. They're a fun team to watch. So either way, it's probably going to be a win, but we've got news we're going to talk about that's,
0: uh, you know, lifted spirits around Chicago a little bit. Interesting. Yeah, I think all Chicago Bears fans probably know, but maybe they just woke up and decided they would. the first thing they would do after a week-long nap is is listen to us. But yes, we will definitely get into Justin Fields, but we've got an amazing guest to talk about as well. So why don't you introduce our great guest for the day? Yeah, absolutely. We've got Dan Kadar today and couldn't be happier to
1: have him. Uh, Dan's a lead producer with Gannett, helps out with Brown's coverage over there. He's also the host of the long-running cover Two Brown's Focus podcast. I met him when he was running Mocking the Draft at SB Nation, uh, and he was always incredibly generous and kind, super happy to be able to be on with him again. So, Dan, how are you doing today?
2: I am wonderful. I don't know who this amazing guest is, though. So, Oh, they're coming thanks. on a little bit. You, oh, yeah. great. Great. Well, thanks <laughs> for letting me fill in for a little bit. So, does the
0: Cover 2 podcast ever match up against the 11 Personnel podcast that Jordan <laughs>
2: Rodrigue hosts? Um. I I am just happy to be in the same sentence with Jordan Rodriguez. So, <laughs> uh, sure, but no, we we started calling it that, and um, we thought we were clever, but then like there's a million Cover Two podcasts out there, in addition to like Cover Three and Four and Zero, so it turns out to be a not great name for a podcast, but. We're too lazy to change it now.
0: Uh, As a writer, I have had plenty of moments where I thought I came up with a very clever way to describe something or a very clever title and then realized 25 people had beaten me (laughs) to that. But, well, we on Bears Over Beers uh share a beer uh, over while we talk and uh we'll let ej start off with his and then ask you to describe yours and i'm going to save mine for last because it might take me a while to describe this thing i I don't even know what this thing is so very excited but ej will let you start
1: (laughs) i you know after that it's tough act to follow but this is more of a jb beer than an ej beer um and i think you've actually had this one this is fremont brewing's dark star it is their uh imperial oatmeal stout so their heavy duty version uh of an oatmeal stout i've had it before fremont brewing local out of seattle um they make excellent beer this is eight percent but it's only a 12 ounce can so again that's where the imperial comes in it is uh sort of dark and rich but i haven't had one in a couple of years so i'm interested to sort of go back to it dan what'd you bring on
2: well i am clinging on to summer even though we're officially in fall so i'm not in stout season yet but i have a white raja by the brew kettle up in cleveland and white raja if anybody doesn't know it's a really a really good ipa and this is their pog version Mm -hmm. which is passion fruit orange and guava so Uh It's it's different but it's it's tasty and it has that, you know, IPA bite at the end.
0: I mean, I'd drink it. That sounds I mean, that sounds good to me. So <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's quite good.
0: Now, you know, by the way, those of you listening and not watching on YouTube, which go to the YouTube channel and subscribe and all that. But EJ's beer had a dragon on it, which sounds pretty which, you know, is amazing. Mine uh, has a lady with a sith in a field. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, beer art here. going on for sure. Yeah, some good beer art. And so this is from Crane Brewing Company in uh, Missouri. It is a gosa, uh, you know, a, a sour ale. <sighs> All right. It has hatch green chilies, apricot, and mint. I... And I brought it on because of the beer art of the lady in a, you know, in a grass field, you know, just the fields. We're going to talk about that. And then I thought like. I don't know what to expect about this beer i don't know what to expect about this game so let's do this thing i i think
1: it matches up pretty well for not uh settling into pigeonholed expectations because i i've had chili beer before um i've had green chili beer before i don't know i probably have had some kind of beer with apricot in it before mint that's a new one so uh, and all together, that sounds like something you might make in the Matic, but you'll have to tell us how it is at the end of the podcast.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll let that sit for a moment and we will get into this. So let's get into the Browns, Dan, because this is a fascinating team. This is the team, in my opinion, that I, I think has the best chance outside of the the big two in the AFC to kind of play spoiler. And we saw that in week one when they, they played KC really tough. They just didn't have enough to to hold on to that game. But the thing that really sticks out about the Browns is that the running game is fantastic. I think it's one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. The offensive line is great. I mean, you talk about the offensive line a little bit. I think Nick Chubb just as a pure runner. I know it's hard to say that with Derrick Henry in the league, but I just think as a pure runner, Nick Chubb might be the best going right now. But do you think that this team, are you worried maybe that this team is built in some kind of antiquated way that they're not going to be able to keep up with a team like Buffalo or Kansas City when the playoffs roll
2: around? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, I suppose um I I think the idea for the Browns is more to be less reactive to what other teams do and more so try and like impose their will and their playing style on on the opponent, you know, like they want to run the ball, like you said, obviously, and that that means limiting possessions for the opposing team. And the the Browns are an extremely analytical team, analytically focused. And part of that, their their key tenants are like turnover margin, and limiting the amount of possessions the opposing team has. So, you know, take the Chiefs, for instance. While Patrick Mahomes is obviously the best quarterback in the NFL right now, I think what, what do the Chiefs have in that game? Two or three possessions in the first half? So there's only so much, you know, a, a guy like Mahomes can do in, in that kind of constraint. So that, that's kind of what the Browns are built on. The, their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, is he's very aggressive. Um And that that goes into the analytics part of it. You know, every Friday, the coaching staff meets with the analytics department to talk about like fourth and one scenarios. So the Browns go for it on fourth down a lot. They run a lot of trick plays, um, they're, they're very aggressive. So while, while they're, you know, maybe they're not built to like run in a shootout with, with a team like the chiefs or, or even the bills their 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 modus operandi is really to like impose themselves on their opponent
1: i love that i love i love stefansky's approach as well that we're going to set the tone and it's going to be like you said jb at the top it's a fascinating team like roster build wise andrew barry has packed this house with players great potential Stefanski started to maximize that potential at the end of last season. You really started to see it all come together, scheme and players meshing, and they're built to be a power team. And it, I love the idea of taking the ball out of the hands of those playmakers saying, look, we know when the ball's in their hands, they can do amazing things with it." the Josh Allens and Patrick Mahomes of the world's, but we're, we're going to give them three, maybe four, possessions a half we're going to control it for the rest of the time because of again our focus and that's going to be the way we're going to play almost defense on offense it's a it's a concept you don't see a ton of uh the titans are built a little bit the same way i I witnessed that on sunday while i was at lumen field you know vrabel just kept running the ball against the seahawks and it wasn't working for a long time and then it did And they ended up taking that game on the road. So it's a fascinating sort of strategic mix between personnel, analytics, coaching style, um, and what they are facing in their own division, trying to get to the top. And it's a really interesting approach.
0: It reminds me of, uh, remember the Titans, you know, that line where Denzel's like, it's like Novocaine, just give it time and it'll work. And I, I think that's, that's kind of that approach with running in the modern day. Like, eh, you know, we'll wear him down. We'll beat him up that Derek Henry. Like we're just going to batter him into the line, you know, 25 times. But I think you know it's the modern nfl so you, you got to talk about the quarterback and and cleveland's quarterback is really interesting baker mayfield is just kind of an interesting guy you know he's on tv a lot with commercials and and his development has been pretty interesting there's there's times where you watch him play and you're like yeah he's got it and there's other times where you're like okay maybe i was a little aggressive there so where do you see baker in his development and then kind of a second part of that question Sounds like Jarvis is going to miss some time. Odell might make his debut. He might not. So how does this passing tree sort of shake out with Baker uh, throwing to a different group of receivers than Bears fans are maybe used to seeing?
2: Yeah. It, um, it's interesting the way the Browns passing offense works because it, through two games, I think they target their wide receivers the fewest amount of any team in the NFL. Now, Obviously that's probably a function of Odell not playing and Jarvis being injured on like what the second play of the, the game against Houston. So but they they target their tight ends a lot. They have three pretty good ones. You have Austin Hooper, David and Joku who is kind of kind of poised for a breakout year. It's a contract year for him and he's playing like it. And they have Harrison Bryant, who they took in the draft a couple of years ago. So they have three quality pass-catching tight ends. So even even if Odell doesn't play, which I, I think right now it's kind of a toss-up. He had some a little bit bizarre comments today about about his uh, comeback from a torn ACL. But um, I think the Browns are are fine in terms of their group of receivers with those tight ends. They target their running backs a lot. And, you know, Baker Mayfield's security blanket since he's been in the NFL has been Rashard Higgins, who he's he's not a big, huge wide receiver. He's not fast. He's not, like, the greatest route runner. But he's, like, a weird combination of, like, all of those things being pretty good at them. So he's been Baker's security blanket. They, they really used Anthony Schwartz, a rookie from Auburn uh, in the first game of the year against the chiefs, really creatively, especially in the first half of that game. So they have him and, you know, Donovan people's Jones was like the breakout player of the year in training camp for the Browns. And there, there's a lot of expectations for him, even though he was only a sixth round pick last year, he only has two targets this season. So, you know, the, the expectation is like, okay, here, here's this guy who has every tool in the, in the toolbox. He just happened to play for a terrible Michigan passing offense. There, there, there's a player there. There's a real player there. So even without Jarvis and Odell, I think the passing game is in a good spot. Um, and and that's, that's to say we know the Browns are going to be more of a run based team in addition to that. So, you know, obviously you want Jarvis and Odell out there, but for, for this team, the way they run, the way they're constructed, I think they're okay. Now, when it comes to Baker, that's the big question. You know, you saw Josh Allen get the huge deal. Uh, You're, you're waiting for Lamar Jackson to get his. And then it's like, where does Baker Mayfield slot in with those two guys? And the, the answer right now is quite frankly, still to be determined, you know, it, does Baker Mayfield have another gear left in his game? You know, like how we've seen Josh Allen, like ramp up, ramp up and ramp up. Baker Mayfield has kind of gone up and down a little bit. So, you know, it's a, obviously an important year for him in terms of a contract, but it's a huge year for him in terms of like public perception and how the team perceives him and what, what kind of deal he ends up with, you know, does he get a four year deal? Does he get a six year deal? Does he get something in between? So it's interesting with him. He's um, he's, he's good. But he's he's clearly like a tier below or two with quite a few quarterbacks at this point. Yeah. Yeah, we started to see
1: his fit, I felt like, at the end of last year. It looked like he and Stefanski got in sync. And you could just see Kevin on the sidelines like, that's what I meant. That's what I wanted you to do on that play. They played that game of the year late in the year. And he just went toe-to-toe and delivered some really big throws in what you want to see in clutch situations and that's that's really sort of that very thin dividing line is look we know he's good we know he's mobile we know he's got a great arm especially on the move uh it's about that consistency and can he deliver in those moments when there's a ton of pressure and he started to do that i felt like more consistently at the end of last year and we do this thing as as fans or observers of the nfl where we just believe well he was here last year so now it's just from here up and every team in in every division is different every year there's so much turnover with free agency losses the draft sometimes coaching staff cleveland's had pretty good coaching stability that we just think well he was here he's not going to go down he's just going to continue to go up and progression isn't linear and it is a fascinating year to watch Baker and see if he continues to kind of make those plays, builds on where he was, starts from our lower place, you know, ascends at the end contract, you know, contract years are always an interesting place. And I'm really glad that you brought up DPJ as well, because player that I really liked in the draft coming out thought he was sort of underappreciated because he did have massive physical talent, didn't have a great scheme fit at Michigan um didn't really break out his first year had some flashes showed what he was capable of but didn't didn't get really consistent playing time again like you said over the summer in camp everybody was talking about how well he was doing he did great in the preseason and then he's in on something like 82 percent he runs routes on like 82 percent of the browns passing downs in the first two games and he gets two targets (laughs) And I'm like, come on, man. So, because I agree, there is a player there. Like there is a guy that is not just a raw athlete. He is a very good wide receiver and we're just waiting for it to mesh. And we're going to have that, I hope dpj game right where he takes over has six catches and not this weekend yards not this weekend i would i prefer if it's not this weekend but any other week (laughs) in the schedule let him have that dpj game i thought that the tight end point was really good as well they have a variety of targets they love to throw to their backs they have three great tight ends in my opinion the deepest tight end roster in the league and you know a couple of wide receivers schwartz was their can opener in week one they ran him deep because he's got you know world-class sprinter speed and they that's that's why they picked him again an analytically focused team and they're like we need somebody to take the top off we're going to get one of the fastest guys in the draft to take the top off so still going to be a huge challenge for what i would consider uh, an undermanned chicago
0: secondary yeah. Bears fans really wanted David Njoku. And, you know, I like that point EJ about like all oh, fans say, uh, you know, the guy ended on this step, but I think a lot of fans think like, well, he ended the season on step six. And so next year he's going to start on step eight because on the off season, he, you know, he got better and he got more, you know, more. And it's like, hey, guys, like, that's not how it works, but I want to flip it around on the other side because I think the Browns defense I, I, coming in, I thought this, this team's going to be really pretty interesting on defense and, you, so much invested in that secondary. You, you know, the free agent contract with John Johnson, you used a draft pick on Greg Newsom. build around Denzel Ward, who was a very high pick, um, and he's turned into a really nice corner. You've got Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit in that secondary, both second round picks over the last couple of years. Off to a little bit of a rough start in the first two weeks. I know one of those games is Kansas City, so it's always that caveat like, well, it's Kansas City, so you can't really necessarily judge them on that. But how do you think they've looked so
2: far this year and and what's the expectation for the secondary group uh, by the end of the year well it's it has been rough so it's it's become a question of is it a scheme thing or is it the this defense is breaking in eight new starters and is it just they need time to gel you know like they had andrew billings last year for instance at defensive tackle but he sat out the year so he's he's new the 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 linebacker group is is pretty rebuilt and now the the main guy that they brought in anthony walker from the colts he's hurt um in the, the secondary grant delpit his first game was against houston as an nfl player he was out all last season and he didn't play the first game so it's it's a it's a weird spot for the Browns, and when it comes to their cornerbacks, I don't know what the deal is with Greedy Williams at this point. He he played eight snaps in the Kansas City game. He didn't play any against Houston. I don't think he's injured. So hopefully we'll we'll find out maybe Friday. I think from Kevin Stefanski what what the deal is with him. Hopefully because it's like. There's a talented player there. You would think he would get a few snaps here and there, right? So, you know, when it comes to Denzel Ward, he, he is good. He can get beat a little bit. Um, and, the, like, the Chiefs really picked on him early in that game. So he he's good, but he's not... He's not like Jalen Ramsey, you know. And no. Greg Newsome, I I think is extremely talented and was a really good pick, but he's a rookie. You know he he got he got into a couple of bad spots against Houston, so it it's it's very much a work in progress on on defense for the Browns. So with, with that said, that's kind of why I feel like the the Browns are like the Browns are like. You know a, an animal that just shed its skin and so they're like they're like extremely vulnerable right now on defense in particular so i i don't think they're like a super team right now i think they're beatable right now on defense and that that's a that's a tough spot to be in when you're going up against a super athletic rookie quarterback who you know maybe can can get one over on you a little bit in Justin Field. So the the defense is is very much a work in progress at this point unfortunately, you know. Like Miles Garrett he just he just hasn't gotten to the quarterback yet and it's like we know how good he is and you're just waiting and waiting and you're like all right Miles where where is the big splash play at? Where's the Where's the strip sack? And Jadavian Clowney's been okay, but he's not a sack guy. So it's, it's still very much in the gelling process for the Browns defense.
1: Yeah, I really hope that the Browns don't play Clowney inside very much on Sunday. I know they probably will. That's really where he excels is kind of a power three tech. Like, he loves to just... Slap the centers off hand down and and knife in like he's so good at that. And Mustafer, the center for the Bears, has not looked good through a couple of weeks. And against that move from Clowney, I I I'm quaking for the first time it happens because he he doesn't have anything in his bag for that. I'll tell you that right now. And I would love to see Miles Garrett play more over Jason Peters because Jason Peters looks to strangely be rounding into form incredibly quickly <laughs> for a guy that was you know fishing in the river when he got the call from the bears and said hey do you want to play left tackle he played really well last week um but i think the bear uh, the bears offensive line is is a bit like you described the browns defense they are vulnerable and the browns defensive line if they're if they're going to eat they're going to eat against the bears interior for sure um and you know possibly the right tackle as well so i'm not looking forward to that the secondary is a little bit different to me the secondary is loaded with talented players and you mentioned that um there's just so many guys that are stars back there that on paper it looks unbeatable you have guys that led their teams guys that led their conferences in college guy like john johnson who is a fantastic safety with the rams but it feels a little bit like one of those super groups to me where you grab (laughs) all the best musicians and you put them in a band and you go it must be the best band right must make the best music and they're all used to sort of leading their own gig and being you know the most important player on stage and now you got to play as a unit now you got to play as a team and that's very much what secondary play is and um it feels to me like they haven't quite hit their groove right they don't they don't quite understand everybody else's rhythm because they're all crazy talented like individually if you picked all those players they could start on most other secondaries um but the sum total of the parts for the browns in the secondary hasn't come to that level certainly and as a bears fan selfishly i'm hoping that there are some cracks there that justin fields can exploit i think we'll see a few plays for sure um and uh, just as as a roster analyst, as a guy that loves the draft, I'd love to see that Browns secondary round into form uh, next week and for the rest of the season. It'd be really cool to see them all play at a high level. Um, for this week, a little bit of confusion would be fantastic.
0: Yep, absolutely. <laughs> a couple of breakdowns and coverages, you know, let Darnell Mooney get deep. You know, just those are good learning opportunities for that Browns <laughs> secondary to have on film, and then you can correct them and not do that again for the rest of the year, but talk a lot about the big names and I think it's always interesting to talk to somebody who's really intimately knowledgeable of a team and and you know you've got your guy that like no one's talking about and you can't wait to mention him is there a guy like that on the Browns like, you know everybody talks about Nick Chubb, Raker Mayfield, Odell Beckham you know if, is there a guy on the Browns that people should be talking about people should know about could be just a special teamer or it could be somebody that's Uh, you know, coming in as a third down rotational guy on defense or whatever, but who should Bears fans be looking for on Sunday?
2: Oh, probably I mean, the the thing about the Browns is that it seems like everybody's talking about every player on the Browns, whether it's, you know, the analytics community, particularly last season, loved right guard Wyatt Teller, you know, so that that just goes to show like it seems like everybody on the Browns is a known commodity, so the the one I would I would go with is Demetric Felton. He was their sixth round pick this year out of UCLA, and he's a he's a running back and a wide receiver. Like legitimately, he's both. Um, he he goes through practice with both. He goes through film study with both units, and he had a really nice play against the Texans. Uh, a nice pass catch that was a touchdown really elusive, really, you know, wiggly in the open field. And after the game, the, the Browns said that his role is going to grow. And it, that that's very much possible. I mean, there, there are going to be times on Sunday, probably when we see him, you know, working out of the slot. And there, there are times where he's going to be in the backfield. He might be in the backfield with Nick Chubb at the same time. And if you're a defense and you're you're seeing that, it's like, Oh boy, who, who do we pick up here out of these two or, or whatever? So I, I would go to Dimitri Felton. He's a he's an interesting player. He's not, he's not big at all. He's, he's a small guy, but he, he showed against Houston that he, he can hang with the, in the NFL. He showed in the preseason that he's a, a good player. So the, the Browns might have a little bit of a diamond there with, with him.
1: I, I love that you brought up Felton's name. He was a guy that had a tremendous senior bowl. Uh again, played sort of a mixed role at UCLA. Uh, they ran him more as a running back, but he had great success running routes out of the backfield. He destroyed Washington State um the year before he got drafted. Went to the senior bowl, lined up as a wide receiver. Nobody could cover him. He's just so quick. He, he, as you said, he doesn't have size, but nobody could take him off the line. Um and I I happen to know the record, recruiting coordinator at UCLA and I was down there about a month ago and we were talking about guys they've had drafted in the last few years and, and guys they have on the team now, certainly. And Felton's name absolutely came up as a guy that, um, you know, he thought could be a better pro because he's he's adaptable and pro roster spots are so valuable. Um, when you get to that final 53, if a guy can do two or three things and Felton can also return, uh, not the way the Browns are using him, but he has that skill set. Um, and just a fascinating player, uh, guy that I would love to see his role grow, um, especially in the receiving capacity, because he is one of those players that people say, Oh, well, we're gonna jam him. And I say, Good luck, you can't touch him. How are you gonna jam him? Yes, he's small, but he, his releases are tremendous. Catches the ball very well. Runs very good routes for a guy that was a quote unquote running back. So Felton's a ton of fun. And and the second he got drafted, uh, we we just said, oh, you know, come about two thirds of the way through the season, there's going to be that Kevin Stepanski play where he, where he runs Demetrik out there, and this is this is his play. He's been just holding it, and they need it, and here it is, and he's going to get a big gain. Everybody's going to be like, who's that? And we're going to be like. At Stremich Felton, welcome to the welcome to the national consciousness.
0: <laughs> well, we got a couple of questions. This is the sort of thing that I normally did. I would write the five questions with article for the Bears. I did that for like uh, for Windy City Gridiron. I did that for like five years or something, and I would always try to throw in like something kind of goofy or fun. I talk about food a lot. We won't go into that, but. I have a couple Browns related questions and I'm just itching to ask them to somebody who, who covers the Browns. Cause I'm not doing that five questions article this year. And so take as much time as you want. You can take two seconds uh, or you can, or you can take a long answer. But the first one is what are your thoughts on the Baker Mayfield at home commercials?
2: Well, before I answer that, I am fair game to talk about anything. So if you have food questions, lob, <laughs> okay. lob them my <laughs> way and uh, I'll see what one I can
1: of One of us. us. <laughs>
2: absolutely. So, uh, Baker Mayfield progressive commercials are in a word. Um, omnipresent, I guess. I, I don't know. Jed- <laughs> Jedrick-, Jedrick Wills is the real star of those. The Browns left tackle. He's showed up in one last year, uh, in the book club commercial that progressive did. And he is in the the yard sale one this year. So, uh, Jedrick Wills is the star is my five word answer for that one.
0: <laughs> nice. I like, him. Right. I like, I, th- I think they're fun commercials. I, I think he's, he's... He-, he goes in on them, right? Like he's kind of uh, yeah. doing the, 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 the little gossip with the neighborhood ladies or the neighborhood book club or whatever, you know, and he, he just kind of goes into it. Uh, he, he commits and that's why I think makes a pretty good commercial. I, I enjoy them. Yeah, I like the one where he was barbecuing at the concession stand. He was making he was making
1: dinner at the concession stand. He's like, oh, these should hold right. <laughs> he's serving whatever it was. Crescent
0: rolls out of the pretzel machine
1: or whatever it was. Yeah, he's so, like
0: playing uh, video games on the Jumbotron on one of them. And got a noise complaint that, from the neighbors. now. I
1: mean, that's pretty fun. Now that seems good.
0: Like I, I'm I'm down for that. So yeah, that would be great. All right. So you guys have a linebacker by the last name of Taki Taki. Yes is that the coolest name in the nfl
2: it it is cool until you say his name in a negative way and then it's like talkie talkie. um (laughs) here here's what i know about taki taki um every you know part of my job during browns games is to monitor like google trends and then see if there's see if there's content that we can create reflective of what people are searching for, right? And Taki Taki always absolutely without question will pop up on Google Trends multiple (laughs) times throughout the game, anytime he's involved in a play and anything, anytime an announcer says Taki Taki, people go to their phone or their computer and they search Taki Taki. So he he is um, search traffic gold for for content creators um so this is the inside
1: scoop this is the stuff you're not gonna get anywhere else I'm I'm psyched about this
2: yeah Taki Taki is uh he's he's an average player let's be honest but right you know he'll he'll make weird splash plays every Mm -hmm. every few games it'll be like the Browns have the ball who recovered it Taki Taki and it, it's incredible. Uh, he's a he's a really good guy. Uh, came out of BYU, obviously, and um, a a good backup and special teams guy. So Taki Taki is a more than anything a, a search search magnet on Google.
0: Do, are there a lot of people that have Taki Taki jerseys in the stands?
2: Is, that, know, is it I, that
0: level of like love for that kind of player?
2: Yeah, I. Um, in 2019, I I was in the press box for the whole year. And then, unfortunately, the stupid pandemic happened. And I, I haven't been able to get back in there. But in 2019, I can tell you that, yes, a lot of people have talkie-talkie jerseys. Like, I love it. It's a, a staggering amount of people have taki taki jerseys. And I, I don't know how long he's going to be in Cleveland. Because, like I said, he's just kind of a... He's just a player, you know. He's he's not a star. So I I like on the back end of the Browns roster, who's going to be the next Taki Taki in terms of like, yes, this guy's name is awesome. So I'm going to get his jersey. You know, like (laughs) Tommy Togiye out of Ohio State. NFL fans are wild. Yeah.
1: Oh man, I love (laughs) Tommy Togiye, but I feel like Taki Taki's missing out on some NIL deals, right? Like like food stuff. We talked about food, right? Like taki-taki teriyaki, who wouldn't buy that? Like, well,
2: there's there's those chips, Taki chips. Oh yeah, yeah, those yeah, rolled yeah. up. Yeah, right. I don't know why he's not the face of those things. Hundred uh, percent. He, yeah, I say his, his agent,
1: his agents just missing the boat. That's crazy. Um, right. So last one is, do you like the Cleveland Throwbacks with the white stripe on the helmet? Because oh, I'll just ask it. Do you like the Cleveland Throwbacks with the white stripe down the middle of the helmet?
2: Well. My, my first reaction is no, I don't because when, when the Browns announced those, uh, over the summer, you know, we, we got a tip like, Hey, the, the there's going to be some Browns news coming and, and you know, we, we <laughs> hear that quite, quite regularly, you know, it's sure. just part of the job. You sometimes you get told when stuff is coming, it's a nice little heads up, however, when it comes to the Browns throwback jerseys, it was, hey, we have some news coming at 12.01 a.m. Oh. And it was like, why are you why are you breaking oh, the no. news at 1201 a.m.? I'm trying to sleep over here. You know, and another part of my job is like social media stuff for mm-hmm. for our for our websites. And it's like, come on, man, I I just want to sleep. So my, my first reaction is I do not like the Browns throwback jerseys because of that reason,
1: because they Um, robbed me of my Z's and, and I do not fault you one bit for, for disliking them for that reason.
2: Look, I need as much beauty sleep as possible. There's a reason (laughs) my camera has not been turned on during this recording. Um, face made
1: for radio, Dan face made for radio.
2: Yeah. You're telling me, um, when it when it comes to Browns jerseys, my my general feeling is that they're they're the Penn State of the NFL, in that you you just don't want to deviate from the norm too much. You don't want to change around the orange too much, like they did a few years ago. You don't want to put like Cleveland on the chest of the jerseys, which they had uh, last year and the year before. You know so. I, I'm just a traditionalist, I guess. And I was not born in 1946, so I don't have, like, a a great, like, nostalgia for helmets with a white stripe down the middle. They look okay, I guess. Um, but, yeah, just give me the plain old straight orange helmet. But that's what I like.
1: Yeah, and I, I have a feeling that's a very popular sentiment among Browns fans. Like, helmets are funny thing you, you mess with jerseys a lot and, and stripes on the pants and, and lots of other stuff but when you start messing with helmets um and having alternate versions or god forbid fade color patterns oh my um, god. like yeah, <laughs> yeah fans fans get really upset about messing with helmets so i just had to ask because the browns helmet obviously a bit different and you're right it's a very traditional sort of founding franchise helmet right and uh, I thought people might be a little, a little bit touchy about that, so I just wanted to, just wanted to poke the bear a little bit. Uh, <laughs> bear, well, and uh,
2: there we go. Let me say real quick on the on the faded thing. I am the only person in the world, I think, who loved those Jaguars helmets. Oh God, they... the two tone, yeah. Dan. Yes, I thought, I Dan. thought those were great. I loved We
1: were them. this close to being really tight friends. And then you had to bring up the jaguar, the jaguar helmets. The black ones are clearly superior, but that is an argument for another time.
0: Yes. Yeah, we'll have you on on the postseason pod where EJ and I review all thirty-two uh, team uniforms and their alternate and throwback kits. That'll be that'll be good off-season content.
2: <laughs> but... I'm, I'm game. Let's do it. <laughs> Sounds yeah. good.
0: All right. Well, Dan, any like final thoughts on the game? And uh, want to know what the beer was like? Uh, and we'll, we'll let you get out of here and, and watch this Thursday night football game.
2: Well, the beer is good. Brew Kettle is a, a fine product. Um, they they've they've been around a while up here. Cleveland is a extremely intense beer scene, and uh, they they managed to stand out. So the beer was great. Uh, as far as the game goes. I I think the Bears are, are sneaky good to be honest with you. Particularly with Justin Fields, he just adds a a different dimension to it. This is this is not a game I personally would bet on. You know, um, I I think it's I think it's a toss up to be honest with you. Just because like Fields can do something that that can throw a team off, Khalil Mack can still take a game over. Eddie Jackson can create turnovers at will sometimes, and Akeem Hicks is, you know, if, if there's a guy built to stop the Browns' run, there you go. So it, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a tough game, and you know, we'll see. It, I, I think it. I really do think it's a toss-up.
0: Well, good stuff. Well, we appreciate the insight. We appreciate the time and uh, EJ and I are going to take a quick break on the other side of this commercial. We will talk about some bears specific thoughts, but thanks again, Dan. We appreciate it. Sure. All right, EJ, we're back. So great stuff from Dan. Really appreciate him hopping on here, but let's get into like bears specific stuff because this is a very exciting week as a bears fan. Now, I had predicted week four, you had predicted week four as the the week for Justin Fields to take over in a natural, organic fashion. We will never know the answer to that because Andy Dalton got hurt. He has a bone bruise in his knee. From what I can tell, from what I've read, you know, when he was either when he got hit in a sack or when he was scrambling, something happened. And uh, sometimes you get a bone bruise, sometimes you get an ACL tear. Dalton, fortunate to not tear that ACL, but did have a bone bruise. And so he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Um, and that gives the opportunity for the Bears to to start Justin Fields. Now, here's the thing. it This season was already all about Justin Fields. And I think once you hand it over to him, there's no turning back. But if if there's a, a a scenario where Justin Fields comes out and he does look like he's just not ready, I do not expect that to happen. But that he does not look ready, there is a ready-made excuse to give Andy Dalton his job back. But come on, this is Justin Fields. Like I I, I think that he has enough ground here. A Browns defense is struggling. The Lions uh, at home in Week Four, and then going to Vegas. Who. You know, Vegas' offense is impressive, but I, I'm not sold on their defense at this point. And so he's got a um he's got a runway here to, to to really solidify his job and and have um just take this over and be the starting quarterback for hopefully the next you know 15 years. But Justin Fields, Matt Nagy is under the microscope here. What can Matt Nagy do to scheme up Justin Fields so that he is in a position to succeed right out of the gate? That's what that's to me what Sunday is all about.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree. Fields has it's not a unique skill set, but it is a rare skill set, and he brings things together that the Bears haven't seen in in one quarterback, one player in a very long time, if ever. And I think Matt Nagy has to acknowledge that with his play calling. And by that, I mean, I want to see some deep shots because Fields can take him. He's an accurate downfield thrower from the pocket or on the run. Either way, he can make that throw, uh, I would say, equally well from either position. He's not a guy that has to be rolled out, has to play the boot action game. He can play from the pocket. He's proved that over and over again. He can play in a multiple read offense. That also he has proved. I want to see some verticality to the passing game. I do not want to see what they rolled out for Andy Dalton in week one, which was everything within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage and largely to the sidelines with basically no shots downfield. That's going to hamper Justin Fields' ability to be successful. Is he going to hit all those? No, he's absolutely not. But if he takes them and it threatens with Darnell Mooney or Goodwin or whoever else, it's going to give space to those underneath crossing routes that Nagy loves to call. And it's going to give space to David Montgomery. It, is the line going to be able to generate the holes. I, they it, it's such an enigma. They did against a very good Rams defense when everybody said they won't be able to run and David Montgomery went off. And then in week two, eh, really not anything. So we don't, we don't know what the bears run game is yet, but I know that if you throw out a couple of deep shots early in the game, the defensive backs are not going to be triggering to come in and just smash Montgomery, right? They're going to have to be at least neutrally flat-footed. Those are the kind of things that are going to help Justin Fields and his natural athleticism, his size, his speed. He's going to be able to make a couple of first downs and keep a couple of drives going just with that. And other than that, I just want Matt Nagy to help him by giving him a couple of those deep
2: shots.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that even in the small amount of time that we've been able to see Justin Fields so far, he has tried to push the ball down the field, and that is a departure from what Andy Dalton was doing. Andy Dalton's average depth of target, very low, like lowest in the league low, and so, I mean, I don't know exactly what was going through Dalton's mind running this offense, Are you just being super safe and trying to be super efficient, But he didn't take any shots. And then when Fields comes in, it wasn't necessarily taking shots, but he was pushing the ball down the field a little bit. So I would anticipate him to continue to do that. I think that's his mentality, right? And I think that you have to have that mentality in the NFL to say, okay, that guy's covered, but is he covered where I can't fit the ball in or can't try to throw him open? We've been waiting for a quarterback that can throw receivers open. And that's what I think Justin Fields is going to bring to the table. It's like, I think I can make a throw – that's gonna bring Allen Robinson open and I'm gonna make it now. And and that's not something that Dalton looked like he was willing to do in, in the limited time that he had played. Certainly you didn't see that in previous years, guys that were willing to throw receivers open. So this is a different level of ability. Now he's he's still a rookie, and he's still gonna have, you know, Bears fans have to like this. Is not like a polished Patrick Mahomes walking in to uh soldier field uh, uh or i guess in the cleveland like this is this is still a rookie like it's going to take some time and he's going to make mistakes and the lines probably aren't going to always look very good like there's going to be i think what is going to happen sunday and i think what will happen a few times over this year is that you'll get done with the game and you're like he played pretty good and then you're going to look at the numbers and you're going to go oh i thought they'd be better than that because i i think that he brings a, a you know a dynamic aspect to the quarterbacking position that it's going to look a little – it's going to be more exciting and then it's going to look a little better when you're watching it in real time and then you're going to look at the stats and be like, oh, that wasn't that efficient. But I think the efficiency will come later. I think the explosive play element comes now. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, he's going to be able to hook plays together
1: better more later. Right? right. You're going right. to see some of that. You're going to see some drives that make you think that's what he needs to do all the time. That's what you normally think with a rookie. You're also going to see some plays, especially with Justin Fields, where the rush comes in and he just holds the ball a little bit. That's what you saw in college. There were there were a couple of things about the top quarterbacks in the draft. And when Zach Wilson got pressured, he played quicker. Right. He, he made quicker decisions. He made quicker throws, like sometimes too quick. And Justin Fields went the other way. When he got pressure, he tended to slow down a little bit. It's not that he couldn't beat the pressure. He often did. But when he really got pressure, he tended to just slow down a little bit. He's a very thoughtful guy. He's got a tremendous memory. He's just processing all that stuff. You heard it in his, his answer at the podium last week when they said, hey, like, why would you throw that? And he was he went through exactly why he threw why he threw the ball. Right. What the defense was doing, what he saw, you know, what the mistake was. He, he, his ability to recall all that is tremendous. And as he gets those reps, as he gets those experiences, we're going to see that time shrink. Right. We're going to see that time get quicker. Um, but you're going to see it. You're going to see plays where you're just like, come on, Justin, get rid of it. And then you're going to see plays where he whips it 60 yards on a dime. And, uh, to your next point, guys got to catch it
0: guys got to catch it like that did not help him that line from the first week was much worse than it should have been Robinson dropped one Mooney dropped one like receivers have to make plays you you have to be, pick up this rookie quarterback because like anybody when you get a rhythm when you have some success that breeds more success I think that's true for any rookie even someone who looks as composed as Justin Fields looks I think making the plays when they're there is going to help him get into a rhythm. And so it's going to be very important for these wide receivers to step up their game, because quite frankly, they haven't played particularly well in the first couple of weeks. Robinson's on the worst two game stretch of his Bears career in terms of yardage, obviously had that drop. I thought Mooney looked pretty good last week. So I'm not going to like roll Mooney into this, but like there's just too many drops. I'm, I'm I'm not just talking wide receivers. I'm talking tight ends, right? Like where have those guys been? I know I'm not asking for more snaps from Jimmy Graham. We've already talked about that. <laughs> Please. But no, but like, no, no, no. I mean, the guy's got two targets in two games. So, you know, at some point, these guys are going to have to make plays. And, so and not just make plays. They're going to have to make the plays or, that are there. More missed blocks or more targets? I don't know. Oh, my God. Oh, how terrible was that? That
1: was really rough. Um, I, you know, I, I swear I said this on my other podcast this week, I think Alan Robinson dropped that ball because he hasn't seen it. Like he just has not seen a ball in tight coverage down the field on his hands like that in a while. Right. And people will get in the mentions and they will, they will argue up and down that I'm wrong. That was a tremendous ball. It was a great ball. And and you saw it afterwards. People said, how do you think Fields felt about that ball? He felt great about that ball. That was a tremendous throw. Allen Robinson flat out hit him in the hands and dropped it. And it's not something we see, and it's a bit shocking because he's a better player than that. Part of this is chemistry. Part of this is timing, and it is critical. People underestimate this. It's a little bit like moving left tackle to right tackle. People say, oh, it's just the same thing except other side. Well, fine, eat with your other hand at dinner and tell me how you feel. Um, When receivers are playing with a quarterback and they've been playing with Andy Dalton all through camp, he has had the number one reps all the way, uh, you know, and you're not getting familiarity with how a guy throws a ball, what that ball's like coming off his hand, where he will throw it, right? Like, hey, I'm not that open. Oh, he's still going to throw it. Okay, all that stuff matters. All that stuff adds up. And now that Justin Fields has had reps with the ones for really the first time all week, right? This is his team now. He is leading. He is getting all the reps with all the ones. This is the first time since he's been with the team when that's happening. I think a lot of people think, oh, he's a high draft pick. They just, they slotted him in, you know, 50% equal reps. Not the case. Right. He has not had the majority of the reps with the ones until now. That's as much a growth factor for him as everything else. And look, Justin Fields throws a very catchable ball. Like Allen Robinson is a very professional wide receiver. Darnell Mooney is extremely talented. They're gonna, they're gonna adapt to it very quickly, but it is a subtle difference. And I think you're gonna see more of those connections made. I really hope so. Because if you do, you're going to see some of those chunk plays, some of those explosive plays the Bears really need to win because the Bears are not going to win on four, six and eight yard completions to the boundary. They're, they're just not statistically, it's they're going to make a mistake before they get a touchdown.
0: Well, and it's not only the receivers, but it's the the offensive linemen getting used to the cadence, right? The I mean, totally those, those issues getting in and out of the huddle, you know, getting the play called, hearing his voice versus Dalton's voice and Dalton's cadence, right? And d- those things do take a little time. And when you have that transition, like the worst case scenario is you have those procedure penalties and you have those like false starts and things like that, because you're just not used to hearing that cadence come through. And that's exactly what you saw when fields came in is there was a few of those moments where clearly the guys weren't used to hearing his cadence. And so that, that stuff should get cleaned up this week, right? that That's not something that's a multi-week thing. That's something that should be, should be fine now, but you've been hearing the same guy call the same call the plays for this whole time and you're used to hearing his voice. And I know that sounds silly, but it's that you get used to it's that's not. the rhythm of the offense. And so now you have to change what you're, what you're listening to. And when you have an offensive line, that's already struggling with, with certain aspects, you add another layer like that onto it. I'm not really surprised that Sam must had those errors when he's already struggling. Sam must is already in his own head right now because he knows he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not, performing at the level that that he needs to to be able to keep that job so i know that he's probably in his own head and that that's that's sort of what happened but conjecture but that that's that's what i what's that what i think happened if you flip it around on the d i know we can we want to talk about fields forever but like if we're just talking about this game they need to go deep they need to get montgomery going everybody needs to step up their level of play of course to be able to take down a, a team like the the browns but on the other side is really important because Cleveland's offense looks pretty good. And they they can run the ball really well. Interestingly enough, that's the one thing I think the Bears can do well is they have a pretty talented front seven. And so this will be an excellent football nerd opportunity to see a really good running team play a team that's really talented up front in the front seven. And so these guys got to step up though. Like this, this is, this is going to be going to war all game. Like, you know, Hicks, this is the kind of game that Hicks lives for. You know, Mac, they might not scheme Mac out, right? They might say, we're good enough to run at Khalil Mac. So Mac might have an opportunity to make some plays because they might think they're good enough to run at him. That'll be fun to see, right? As opposed to everybody (laughs) runs away from him. Oh, Khalil Mac doesn't fill the stat sheet. Yeah, they, they run away from him. They scheme everything away from Khalil Mac. This team might not. This team might say, we're good enough. We can run at him. Right. So every single player on that front seven, I think, is going to get challenged and they're going to get challenged for for a full 60 minutes against this Cleveland team.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a war. Dan said it earlier. It's going to be a physical game. And that that's not something he's saying lightly coming from the AFC North. They have a lot of physical games like, you know, Brown Steelers, physical games, Steelers, Ravens, very physical game. Ray, Ravens. Steelers and, and Bengals Steelers, Bengals Steelers, Bengals. Like, yeah, they, 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 they have hate played. each other, yeah. right? There's a talent gap, but they hate each other. When he says physical game, he knows that, you know, Khalil Mack is, he was talking about him changing the pass game, but Khalil Mack is stout player. He is going to take on a tackle and change a run. Um, and Akeem Hicks just regularly assaults people like every week. If you play against Akeem Hicks, you're going to the tub right? You are going to get beat up. He is a big man and he's coming. He's going to bring it every down. I'm really interested to see whether Eddie Goldman plays. Eddie Mm Goldman has been kind of like, he's practicing. And I saw a tweet from Olin Crutes today that was like, please, 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 please please let him like, he's not kidding. The difference between Eddie Goldman playing in the middle of this line against this Browns team is, is a huge disparity. Like if he plays, the Bears' chances go way up, right? If he doesn't play, the Browns' chances go way up of having more of those inside zone runs pop, being able to sustain drives, grind it out, just like Dan talked about in terms of a ball control offense. If Goldman's there, he's going to limit those opportunities. He's going to disrupt those drives and say, "No, you, you can't come through this two to three yard wide area in the middle. You're going to have to go outside." And then they've got Hicks, and Mac, and and plenty of other players that can make those tackles ogletrees look really good you know chopping down the run we know roquan can shoot gaps and will for a few tfls that's the kind of thing that when you add it all up uh you're going to interrupt that strategy that build that let's keep it out of his hands you're going to give somebody like justin fields who is a wild card more opportunities and that could be the difference right that could be a very even and interesting game uh So if Goldman plays, I think it's a real key for the inside of the Bears against what is a very good offensive line, maybe the best offensive line in the NFL. And three very good running backs because everybody talks about Chubb and everybody talks about Hunt. Dearness Johnson is a fantastic back and would easily be the number two on almost any team in the league. Happens to be the number three on the Browns because they're just loaded at that position.
0: Yeah, like Dan was saying, this team is built to try to stay on schedule. That's a term that I'm sure they'll probably use on the, uh, the broadcast at some point. This is a team that likes to stay ahead of the sticks. They want to get first downs, grind first downs, grind first downs. That's how you grind clock, right? You, you keep the clock moving because you are running and the the ball and the clock's not going to stop like on an incomplete pass and then you just it's an efficient based offense to where you are trying to get those 10 yards within those three downs and then get a new set of downs and do it all over again and just grind down the field right and if you punt you punt you know that's not that big of a deal but like if you if you've maintained possession for a long time that's okay The key to that is to be able to get a negative play or a zero play early and then get them behind schedule and then force Baker Mayfield to have to make plays that are a little bit further downfield because Baker Mayfield, I think at this point in his career, is an interesting player. I think he has a lot of ability. I don't think he is in that. He's certainly not a tier one player. I don't think he's a tier two player. I think he's somewhere in that category of like, yeah, he's pretty good. He's a pretty good quarterback, right? So if you can make Baker uncomfortable in those situations, and then you can have a guy like Khalil Mack, pin his ear back, Robert Quinn, who has a couple sacks already. I mean, yeah, one of them, you know, because he was closest to the was, was plus to 15 the Burrow, yards, priority, like yeah. you know uh, walked out of bounds. And that's he a fascinating
1: him, but... stat. I don't know that I've ever seen that that a sack resulted in a 15 yard gain for the opposing team.
0: Well, I'm I was thinking about that. I think that there has have been times where a guy gets credit for a sack because he gets like a strip sack. Yeah. And then it's picked up by the offense and right. they run for, <laughs> for a positive gain. That's the only yeah. time I could think that there could be a like a worse outcome than what happened. And what we're describing is Quinn when he bumped Burrow actually got credit for a sack. It was like a, a no gain or a one yard loss. Yeah, no and so the official stat keeper went back and credited Quinn with a sack. So it's in his sack total, but because it, the, the foul happened after the play, that's why the official stat went in the books, but the Browns got an automatic first down. And again, that was, total acting by burrow i mean he invited the conflict it was lopped and it was, and it, it was, it was really interesting that i
1: made a note of that play as i watched the game i was like oh because joe burrow is a really smart quarterback and that was just smart quarterbacking like i hated the call but it's really hard not to call it when he's out of bounds and the quarterback makes contact like the quarterback indeed leaned into when to make contact and fall down but There were a couple this weekend that were really, really strange. Uh, I was watching the uh, Carolina game, and there were three roughing the passer calls in the Carolina game. And the first one I had to go back because they threw flag late in play. It was behind the line of scrimmage and I was like okay and then you know I was watching the condensed version so all of a sudden auto first down and they're down the field a bit And I was like whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute wait a minute that was like a screenplay what happened I back it up he literally ran in pushed the guy in his shoulder pads in his chest took three steps backwards didn't even fall down right and they threw a, they threw a flag and he got 15 yards off that And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He didn't even like his helmet never made contact with the other player. He was nowhere near his leg. So it wasn't low. He like literally walked up, shoved him in, in the chest plate of his shoulder pads. And he took three steps backwards and he got a 15 yard flag. It was early in the game. And I was like, whoa, okay. Like I, I didn't think I saw anything and guess what? I didn't see anything. So those are interesting, but I got to give bro credit for that particular one. It's, it's going to be a fascinating game you know cleveland's down a couple targets we talked about how they have a variety of targets i i really think jalen johnson is masking what is it was a tremendous deficiency in the secondary he's playing amazing great for jalen love jalen as a player super glad to see him back from the injury and playing really well the pick he got last week he jumped before the ball was out of the quarterback's hand like he came out of his click before the ball launched that's film study folks that's that's him seeing the route, knowing where the route stemmed, where it was going to break, and going, I'm so sure that this guy's not going to do a, a stunt and go that I'm I'm just going to break. because And he broke, and he was clearly in front of the receiver. It was just whether or not he caught it. Um, tremendous play by him. But, like, Kendall Builder is skating on Jalen Johnson playing really well. Duke Shelley, who they've had some positive words about. Um, I saw that Sean Desai had some good things to say about duke shelley's play duke shelley plays really well within three line three yards of the line of scrimmage like he is aggressive he plays the run decently well he plays little flat tunnel screens pretty well anything past three to five yards he got torched they threw at him like seven times it was six completions something like 90 something percent completion percentage like the nickel position's not great the other outside cornerback position's not great uh gibson is playing i think well. Like solidly. A. Um, Jackson's had a couple splash plays, but I don't think he's playing particularly well in coverage. So, like Jalen Johnson is just sort of carrying the secondary, erasing the number one receiver. And, you know, again, the number one receiver for Cleveland might not be a receiver, might be a tight end, yeah. might be a back. Um, so, it's going to be a fascinating Sunday to watch these teams mesh and see which opportunities present themselves whether or not the bears d line holds up we talked about that front seven it, it's
0: just it could go a lot of ways and then there's just
1: justin fields right that's all it's all about man you know
0: dan dan said he wasn't willing he didn't want to bet the game and i think what he was saying Smart is position i don't want to bet the browns to cover because he was saying that it was going to be a tight game and that the, the line on that game is like yeah. seven, seven and a half points. I mean, it's, it's big, it's a big line. Yeah, no, it's a big line. So it, what he's saying is he doesn't want to bet the Browns to cover because he thinks it's going to be a really tight game. Uh-huh. But if he was a better, he actually probably would bet against his team because he thinks it's going to be a close game from a betting perspective. Now from, right. uh, you know, just picking the winner, we're in a different conversation than I thought we'd be in. Right, because I thought I would see sure. a little bit more from the Browns, and I thought we'd be seeing Andy Dalton still in terms of like a limited offense. I don't know what we're gonna get. That's why I picked this crazy beer to come on here because I did not know what I was gonna get with this crazy beer. Let me just transition into that. Yeah, hit it. It's weird, man. Like, it's I'm not fascinated. as weird as not as weird as I thought it was gonna be. The flavors okay. are not popping like I thought. Okay. The I don't taste any heat so I didn't taste like a heat from the hatch chilies. I I could taste a little bit of the chili flavor. I could definitely taste the apricot. The apricot sort of is the sweetness that averages out that sour kettle, sour beer taste. The mint is fleeting. It's there at the end But it's not strong. And so I think it's somewhat balanced. As I've drank more of it, I've gotten more of that kettle sour throughout the experience. And so those other flavors have kind of receded into the background, which I think is unfortunate because I'm not actually a big fan of just a straight kettle sour. I don't really like that. That's a a one note hit. And that's why you need to add in the other things. But for some reason, as I've continued to drink, I don't know if it's because it's gotten warmer or what but as i've continued to drink it it has lost a lot of that balance and it's now just kind of a sour and so i don't know it's okay like i mean it's interesting it's fun to have a beer that has crazy flavors in it but um i would say it's probably not something i'll get again it it wasn't a beautiful
1: disaster and and that's good uh you know it sounds like the mint was a little bit of a garnish which is not a bad thing in that particular mix because i again i was having trouble uh sort of just justifying like okay you got hatch chilies which aren't super hot anyways you have the sweetness of the apricot and then you they have can mint. be it can be but that mint is a very it's a very floral flavor it's almost a fruity flavor um and and having that as that sort of clean like it's almost uh, i think mint and cucumber have a lot of similar hits in terms of being that median cool flavor i just had no idea how they were going to fit together so i'm glad it wasn't a train wreck in your mouth that's that's super super happy. Um, as far as Dark Star, yeah, the can art's great. Uh, a little less condensation on this, so you might be able to see it. Um, uh, it you definitely feel the stout. Like uh, I've been drinking summer beers, I've been drinking clear loggers and pilsners and pale ales, four, five, six, sometimes seven percent. This is a solid eight percent, and you feel it. You're probably not going to drink three or four of these, um, but it's a well crafted stout. And we've talked about stouts being able to carry flavor. Um, It's an oatmeal stout. So you do get a little bit of that, um, you know, grain taste to it. Uh, But again, it's not overpowering. It's just a really well-crafted stout. happens to have some kick to it. Um, But I love Fremont beers. uh, Another solid offering from them. Uh, I just bought it as a single. Um, Something I'll pick up again for sure. So um, I think all in all, beers are good guess was great game is a toss-up um you know as a as a better it's it's (laughs) it's an interesting game it's one of the you know i want to bring up the like admiral akbar gif it's it's a trap like don't bet (laughs) don't bet cleveland over on the seven um But I I can't wait to see it. I mean, like most Bears fans, I'm super excited for Justin Fields with a week of preparation with the ones. I want to see what he can do. So does everybody. It's a very talented team. But, you know, look, there are always talented teams in the NFL. Um, Urban Meyer's finding that out right now in Jacksonville. <laughs> every week's like going yeah. against Alabama. Every week's like playing Alabama. It is. You're 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 playing the best of the best every week. So hiding a guy or saying, oh, well, this or that. Look, if he could have debuted against the Lions, I would have been all for it because the Lions are a down team right now. But the bottom line is there's a couple of weeks, if you're the Bears, there's a couple of weeks of the Lions every every year. And everybody else, pretty darn solid. It's It's on any given Sunday. So I can't wait to light it up. Uh, I don't think he can either. I you know, his answers have been consistent all the way along when people have asked him if he's ready. Yeah, let's build for this. I've been doing this my whole life. I'm I'm set. I want to go. And we all want him to go too. So it's gonna be a fascinating Sunday.
0: I think he is ready. And we are ready for this season because we have been turning out some great content on the site. The Windy City Gridiron podcast channel is doing great. And We're putting these up on YouTube. I don't know necessarily that all of you that listen to us want to see uh, our faces, but they're there if you want to. If nothing else, go to the channel and subscribe. That helps us out a lot. And that would be really cool if you're willing to do that. Um, We are working diligently on a Patreon. We have been asked for that repeatedly by a number of people over the years. That is very flattering. I can't tell you how flattering that is. And so we are getting that. We are very close to, to that. Follow the, follow us on Twitter. We'll announce that soon. Uh, we will get that for those of you that choose to do that. And those of you that are even thinking about it, thank you in advance. That is incredibly flattering. We appreciate that. Um, otherwise, we're always on Twitter. Probably too much. I'm at Gridiron Porn. EJ's at the Draftsman FB. We're there to talk Bears. We're there to talk general football stuff. We're there, again, way too much. EJ, what else do you got going on? Uh, the new bootlegs coming out a little bit late
1: this week. We've been aiming for Wednesdays, we've been hitting that up until now. But with all the travel schedule, we actually only recorded it late last night, so it'll probably come out. Uh, I know <laughs> Brett's actually probably on a live stream right now watching Thursday Night Football, so I think it'll come out tomorrow, but it might come out on Saturday. Mea culpa, sorry about that. A little bit late. Uh, but that's the major one. And then we're going to be firing up live streams for bootleg at the end of next week as well. And we've got a really interesting guest lined up. If you follow bootleg football already, I I know you'll love it. Um, if you're just curious, head over to the YouTube channel, subscribe, follow us on Twitter. Uh, you'll find that out. Just got that solidified today. So uh, going to do a little live stream format, see how it goes. Take some live questions after we've sort of introduced some of the high points. Um, that the
0: guest wants to bring on and it will definitely be of interest to bootleg fans. Awesome. Well, let's get us out of here. And next time we talk, hopefully we're two in one.
1: Absolutely. I would love to see that, but uh, you know, it's an exciting time to be a bears fan. We hope you're enjoying this content. We hope that you enjoy the guests we're bringing on sort of the enemy territory brought to life. Uh, we think it's a fun format. And again, the rest of the WCG podcast lineup really rounds it out. Um, the new show, Bear and Balance, doing very well as a recap show. We're a preview show. And there are a bunch of other good shows on the podcast channel as well. So check them all out, um, all quality content creators. But until that, like, just revel in this. We hope this is history. Justin Fields taking over as the starting quarterback of the Bears. We hope that is a multi-year proposition uh, and a very successful one of that. But just enjoy, grab your favorite beverage, and there.